You know, one thing that I love about the Psalms is their honesty. They're always honest. They don't mind asking God the tough questions. You know, we need honesty in our worship too. I mean, when was the last time you heard a lament in worship? When was the last time that we, we met to worship and somebody got up and just said, Lord, how long? Are you going to forget me forever? Right? And, and we're, we're coming into a time of thanksgiving where we set aside a day to be thankful. And, and honestly, that can be one of the most difficult times of the year for a lot of us because we think back on all the things that we're thankful for. But at the same time, we realize that it's often painful. Because as we think back, as we remember how God has been faithful to us in the past, there are times where we just want to be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, I'm in a desert right now. Lord, I know you've been faithful to me in the past, but right now I just feel abandoned and forsaken. And that's exactly what the psalmist is doing in 126. He's, he's being very honest with God. The psalmist remembers how good it used to be when God delivered them out of their bondage. But he begs God, Lord, would you do it again? Lord, I know about the time in the past when you have delivered us. I know your goodness. I know your grace. But right now, Lord, I'm in a desert. My people are in a desert. And I need you to move again. He has done great things for us. Yes. But do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Let's stand as we read God's word together. Psalm 126, starting in verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We're glad. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negeb. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home again with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Father in heaven, just like the psalmist pens for us, Lord, we also... Say that very same thing. God, we know of your grace. We see all around us your grace. We see at the cross that you are good. That you love us. But Lord, we're not content with, with just seeing you from a distance. We're not content with seeing what you've done in the past. But God, we want you to do it again. We want you to bring renewal into our hearts once again. Lord, we want rain in the desert. We want the river to overflow and we want the joy to spill over in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, 
just like the psalmist says, that you would restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. In Jesus' name, amen. God has done great things. Even though the psalmist is in the desert, he remembers what God has done for him. Look at verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. He's referring to when Israel was restored from captivity to Babylon. Israel had hit rock bottom. They were deposed from the land. They were taken into captivity. And all of the promises of God seemed to fail. Until God intervened. God's grace overflowed. They were restored to their land. And the psalmist writes of that when that happened. When the Lord restored us, we were like those who dream. The psalm was meant to recall a time when God's grace was overflowing to His people. And as Christians, if we're in Christ, we know exactly what that is like. We know what it means to be overcome with grace, to be overcome with His goodness. I mean, we were running our own way. We were pursuing the world instead of pursuing Christ. When we were in chains before Christ, we were in bondage to alcohol. We were in bondage to pornography. We were in bondage to empty religion. We were in bondage to sex. We were in bondage to partying. We were in bondage to womanizing. We were in bondage to drugs. But thanks be to God, He has delivered us. We know what it's like, church, to encounter God's goodness if we're in Christ. We were objects of wrath. But we encountered His grace when we weren't even looking for it. He's forgiven us. He's transformed us. And so we can resonate, if we're in Christ, what He's saying here. When God overflowed His grace to us, when God delivered us, That made all the difference. When God restores people, it's marked by three things that the psalmist uh, gives us here. And the first one is amazement. Notice he says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like who? Those who dream. I mean, have you ever encountered something so good that you're like, man, I need you to pinch me to make sure that I'm, I'm not dreaming? When you see something so good, so abundantly amazing, that you have to say, man, the only time I've seen this before is when I was dreaming. This can't be real. It can't be real. That's what he's saying. The psalmist is so amazed at God's restoration, it was unexpected. And church, when God saved us, that was also unexpected. It was unexpectedly Incredible, unexpectedly amazing. He saved us, church, when we were living in the world instead of living for the Lord. He saved us when we were pursuing sin and not pursuing Christ. He saved us when we were going our own way, when we were lost and undone without God, not even looking for God, not even seeking God. But in our wandering church, God found us. He found us when we weren't even looking for Him. And so that same type of amazing, unexpected grace 
that the psalmist writes about, we've experienced that same kind of grace. We weren't seeking Him, and yet He was seeking us. I wasn't looking for Jesus when He saved me, but thank God He was looking for me. We know about this unexpected, amazing grace. And often when someone or something kind of surprises us, the the natural tendency is for laughter, right? That's what a joke is. A joke is when they're telling a story and you think it's going to go one way and all of a sudden the punchline hits and it goes a different way and we laugh. And that's kind of the same, that's the same emotion that the psalmist is describing. The first thing he describes is amazement, but the second thing is joy. Notice he says they were, when God did this for them, they were filled with laughter. They were filled with shouts of joy. Listen, church, God's grace brings about happiness. God's grace makes His people joyful. It overflows our heart with with contentment. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's not one who's saying that, that you know, we're going to suck all the fun out of everything. No, God wants His people to be the most joyful. He wants us to be the most joyful. And some of you are struggling with this, I know. Some of you are struggling with this. God's way, listen, especially if you're younger, we struggle with this because we think, man, God's way is just meant to suck all the fun out. And listen, God's way is meant for our good and for our joy. When God brings His people in, when He calls them to obey, they're filled with joy and laughter. And the third thing is talk. When God restores His people, there is talk. First of all, notice the talk comes from other people. I mean, have you ever had something so good happen to you and everybody's talking about it? I mean, maybe you, you find a new boyfriend or girlfriend at school and, man, they're, they're like the most popular kid in school. Now everybody's talking about that. Maybe it's you got a promotion at work. Maybe something incredibly good has happened to you and everybody's talking about, man, look at that. Look at that thing that has happened. And that's what's happening here. When God restored Israel, it was so good and it was so miraculous that the nations around Israel were even talking about it. Notice what they say. They look in on Israel and they say, man, the Lord has done great things for them. I mean, you know it's got to be good. You know God's grace has to be good when people around the people of God start saying, look at how good that is. In fact, I want to submit to you this morning that that actually is the way God intends many times for people to see the gospel in action. He doesn't want us to just be people who are like, man, everybody's looking at us and like, I don't know what's wrong with that guy right there, but he doesn't look very happy. No, God wants us to be the kind of people that are experiencing His joy, experiencing His goodness to the extent that people around us look in and say, man, look at what all God is doing for Him. Church, God's goodness is not just something that we want our people around us to talk about, but it's something that needs to be proclaimed. Notice what Israel says in response to 
what the nations are saying around. They're saying, man, the Lord has done great things for them. And then they say, yeah, let me tell you about it. The Lord is doing good things for us. We are glad. We can use that opportunity when people see a turnaround in our lives, when people see that, man, why aren't you doing the things that you used to be doing? Why are you so different? Why are you so joyous? This is not a situation where you should have joy. Why, how do you even have this happiness? That's when we can say with them, yeah, the Lord's done great things for me. And he can do that same thing for you, by the way. The psalmist remembers the way that things used to be. God has done great things for them. You know, when I think about all that God has done for us, I just wonder, do we live lives filled with gratitude for what he's done? I mean, think about it. All these things that he has done for us, the rescue that he has brought us into, I mean, all that he has done, sending his son to die in our place, do we live lives that show our gratefulness to him? If we're in Christ, He's miraculously saved us. We didn't save ourselves. He saved us. Do we live a life to show our gratitude by obeying Him, by pursuing Him, or do we just live a life where He plays second place? Where He gets second place? Maybe some of you here, for you the question is, have you ever even encountered God's grace like this? I'm talking like you're wandering your own way. You are not a Christian. You're not in Christ. You're walking away from God. And the scripture says, have you even encountered his grace? And if you haven't this morning, for you, I would just simply say, God's grace is available to you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to try to make your way to the table. No, God says, if you come to my son, Jesus... And you're pleading His blood and not not your own works. I'll accept you. His grace is available to you this morning. The psalmist moves from remembering God's past acts of goodness to just being honest. He moves from saying, God, we remember how good it was. And now he moves to, Lord, we are dry. We're in a desert and we need you to do it again. Do it again, Lord. Look at what he says in verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Restore our fortunes. Didn't you just say, Psalmist, that in verse 1, the Lord has restored the fortunes? Past tense, and now you're saying, Lord, would you do it again? I mean, what's going on? And, And honestly, we know what's going on, right? We're human. We understand what it means to have something good happen in the past and now all of a sudden we're left looking back on it with our nose pressed against the glass wondering, will it ever be that good again? And so he says, restore our fortunes, Lord. God, we need you again. God, we need you to move afresh. And this renewal that he is Wanting that he is seeking, first of all, notice it comes by prayer. When God restores, when God renews, it comes about, first of all, through prayer. Notice he is asking God, Lord, would you renew us? Like the streams in the Negeb. The Negeb is a, a desert in the, in the southern part of Israel. 
And the Negev is known, of course, as a desert of being dry. But it's also known for when the water floods down, when it rains. These little streams fill up with water and come together and it just like floods it. It floods the desert when it is raining. And so the psalmist is basically saying, Lord... We're dry like a desert. We're dry like the Negev. Would you send the rain? Would you send the rain? Why does he ask God to do that for him? He does it because he knows that only God can bring renewal. The desert that we find ourselves in at times, only God can bring us out of that. And so the first thing that he does is he asks, he begs, God, would you do it again? But notice, he doesn't stop there. It doesn't just end with him asking God to bring renewal. But the second thing we see him doing is working. Working. He's praying and he's working. I I heard a story told one time of two neighboring farmers who desperately needed rain. They were in a drought. The crops were failing. And of course, they were both Christian men and they they began praying and asking God for rain. And one day, one of the farmers looked out and saw his neighbor out in the fields plowing. Like he was getting ready for something. And the guy just looks at him like, what are you doing? I mean, yes, only God can bring the rain, but it's, it's dry. You're going to ruin your farm. You're going to ruin your chances. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. And the other farmer looks at him and says, Hey, I'm preparing my fields for when God sends the rain. I heard another story of uh, another farmer who he was desperately needing rain. And he called on the deacons of the church, I want you to come and I want you to pray. And several of the deacons gathered up at his house and they began praying for rain, and later that day, it did rain. But one of the deacons had with him something that was a little unexpected. I wonder what it was. Maybe he had his Bible with him, you know, and he had his little uh, um, bookmark on on the pages where you see the promises of God, like if we pray, God will answer. This wasn't what it was. Maybe it was some kind of, uh, of trinket that you know he had some people anoint and pray over it and he had it with him and that's what caused the rain. No, that, that wasn't what it was either. You know what he had with him? He had an umbrella. Because he knew. He had faith. Man, I'm going to prepare for the rain. I know that God is going to send it and so I'm going to get ready for it. And that is exactly what the psalmist is doing here. He doesn't just say, just pray and stop. But he's like, pray and work. Pray and work. Notice notice what he says. He talks about sowing and reaping. He says, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. He's saying, hey, sow in tears even while you're in the desert. Even while you're praying for God to bring the rain, you go out and you sow. 
We can sow in tears, listen, because we know that one day God will be faithful and He will bring the rain. One day He will be faithful and He will answer our prayers and He will bring the renewal that Israel is asking for. And listen, as we struggle in the desert, when we feel like we are dry, when we feel like we're running on empty, when we feel like, man, there's just nowhere else to go, we're praying, Lord, would You come through? Lord, would You break through? We, need to for, we don't need to forget that in those times, in those very times, we still need to labor for Him. We still in those times need to press in. We still in those times, in times need to open our Bibles and read. We still in those times need to pray. We still in those times need to obey, even though everything in us tells us, you don't need to do that. Keep pressing in even in the desert because when it starts to rain, you're going to be ready to receive the rain. When we feel like we're in the deserts of Negeb, we know rain is coming. When we feel dry, we know that rain is coming. And so today, I just say to you, hold fast. When you're in the desert, keep going. Keep working. Keep laboring for Him. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. Keep pursuing Christ. But let me also encourage you. Let me also encourage you and simply say that even when we feel dry, when we keep doing these things, one day He will answer. And I, not just for us as individuals, but I also just want to Apply this to us as a church. Because there are times as a church where we can feel dry. There are times as a church where we can fall on our faces and weep and not a single person come to Christ. We can fall on these altars begging God, Lord, would You help us reach our community? And no one come to know Him. There are times as a church where we can go through the motions again and again and again wondering, God, will you ever revive us? But notice, not only are we praying for revival, but we have to be working for revival. Church, that means like if God unexpectedly, miraculously opened up the doors and hundreds of people came to Christ at this church, would we be ready to receive them? I mean, right, we, we, we pray for revival, we pray for renewal, but what if God actually gave it to us? Are we even ready for it? I mean, if God started renewing our spirit, if He started bringing people to Christ, would we be ready to get them plugged into the church? Would we be ready to make disciples of them? Would we be ready to, uh, to bring them deeper? Would we be ready to walk with them? We don't just need to pray, but we need to work and get ready for when God brings the rain. God has done great things for us. He has. We should give thanks to Him. But also we should pray, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. you're here this morning and you're not a Christian to you I would just simply say receive his grace 
receive His grace. He's offering it to you. You're walking down a road that's going to end in destruction. You're walking down a path that leads away from joy and life. No matter what your heart is telling you, no matter what your feelings are telling you, you're going down a road that is not going to take you anywhere that you want to go. The sin in your life is making promises to you that it can't deliver. And so for you, I would just plead with you this morning, would you receive His goodness? Would you receive His grace? If you're here this morning and you are a Christian, give thanks as you remember what He's done. As you're going about the hustle and bustle, you're going to families' houses, you're, you're going to eat with people, don't lose sight of what we're celebrating. Don't lose sight of your thankfulness. Don't forget to give thanks to the Lord. But as you're going through this, and this probably is for a lot of you, as you're going through this and you just feel dry, don't give up on pursuing Him. Don't give up on sowing in tears. And when you're in the desert, beg God for rain. And know that one day He will send it. You know, I think about some of the stories that I've been told about this, this church and this body. How, where all God has taken us. How we used, this, this church was so just tiny. And people just started praying and God moved. People were just begging, Lord, would you bring the community to Christ? And then God miraculously gave growth. God miraculously used this church to reach the community. And as I read this passage and as I think about our church, I think we can say, yes, God has done great things. But I think our prayer this morning is, Lord, would you do it again? Lord, we're not content with just seeing you work 50 years ago. We want to see a mighty revival happen now. Lord, we don't want to just see renewal happening back then. We want to see every heart renewed in our church today. So, Lord, only you can do these things. And, Lord, as we are waiting on you, we are going to be working and getting ready for when you finally do answer us in your good time. Father in heaven, we pray that very prayer to you today. We ask you, Lord, to bring to our mind all of your goodness, all of your mercy. Remind us, Lord, how we were wandering astray and you found us. Remind us, Lord, all of the good things that you've given us since that day. But Father, we also pray not just a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, we pray that you would do those very things again in us. The passion that we once had, Lord, Lord, would you give it back to us. And Lord, for us as individuals, the feeling of being in your presence that we once had, give it to us again, Lord. Lord, the times in our lives where we walked with you 
in your presence and we felt you as we were going. God, we admit it is dry right now and we need your presence again. Lord, some of, some of us are going through a desert. And for those who are, Lord, I pray that you would keep them striving after you. That you would pick them up and carry them through the desert. That you would whisper to them assurances that one day you will bring rain in your good time. Father, make us thankful in Jesus' name.